0: Good morning. This is Elise Bowie with Elise Bowie Family Law, and I am here with the Maximum Mom podcast. And today I am so excited to welcome another entrepreneur mom. She's not a lawyer, but she has some serious pearls of wisdom for us, for us attorneys, as we're starting our practices. Jasmine Haley, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you,
1: Elise, for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I already enjoy talking with you anyways. So I know this is going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, I love talking to you as well. And I love your outlook on things. Tell us, I always love to start out with, I mean, tell us about your family. Who is the part that makes you the mom Who do you have in your house? (laughs) So I have two peas in a pod. Literally, their
1: names start with P. I have uh, two girls soon to be 12 and a nine-year-old who's soon to be a two-digit age. I can't believe it. And my daughter who's 12, she has the nerve to have her hands are a little bit larger than mine. So I know she's going to be taller than me. And I just, I cannot believe it. So yeah, I have two beautiful, two beautiful warrior women in training And I have a wonderful,
0: supportive, loving husband, Clarence. That is awesome. I love that. I love that you call them the warrior women in training because <laughs> your girls really are. I mean, you told me a story about their entrepreneurial spirit when we first met. And I just love that. I mean, I love what you teach your girls and how you encourage them to think about things. And, and I think that's one thing I really want to talk to you about is How do we think about things more broadly, you know, than how sometimes people want to stay in such a tiny lane and think about success in such a small way. But first, I mean, tell us a little bit. So tell us about your entrepreneurial journey as we kind of go through our typical trifecta of things. Tell us about what it's looked like for you. So
1: literally, I like stumbled in it. Like (laughs) that's exactly what I look like um, because it was a hot mess. Well, I didn't you know, I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I cannot wait to start a business and drive my entire life completely insane. I started off in dentistry. I woke up and said, I want to be a dentist. I want to serve people and take care of their teeth because I had people compliment me now a lot about my teeth. Yes, Your teeth are amazing. Thank you. But they were severely crowded. They were like this. Okay. And I used to never smile. It would be like this. I would always cover my smile. So it's always still weird. I've still feel like, Ooh, you know, why are you looking at my teeth? So any anywho- amazing teeth. <laughs> so I wind up having, and it was, it lasted all through high school, these severely wow. crowded teeth. And I said, I wanted to continue go to school, become a dentist. And I had no other siblings that had gone to college none i was number five my mom didn't know how to direct me and so i went to a specialized high school for uh, dental assisting became uh, a dental hygienist to help support me in dental school but fell in love in between and started a family so here i am started working in public health and serving a vulnerable population persons living with hiv and went in to start teaching full time. Now, what I didn't realize was most of us, we start this job and we think, this is a place I'm gonna retire. This is it for me. I'm so excited. I've hit the, the highest pinnacle of my career. Look at me now. I wind up going into a very toxic work environment. Oh. And I wind up getting extremely sick, mm. extremely sick. What I didn't realize was that there was a part of me that didn't heal from trauma. There was a part of me that didn't understand how to deal with stress coupled with me being a mom, a wife, and then put me where I'm dealing with microaggressions, bullying, all types of like nasty type of behavior in a work environment. Then my mother passed away and then boom. Oh, right. So I wind up getting extremely sick And after her passing away, a year later, I had one of the most scariest health crises ever in my life. I wasn't even 30 years old. And that was when when I laid upon that floor of my bathroom and my daughter walked in with a face of horror, seeing her mother sick, not knowing why. But it was because of the choices that I was making in my life. Right. That I allowed myself to get that burnt out, that was it for me to change. And so, literally, started pouring into my brain regularly with personal development. And I had the courage to start my business. So, what am I doing right now? Um, I had the nerve to start a business in healthcare, <laughs> become a nationally awarded speaker podcaster, educational consultant, did very well in healthcare. And now I'm servicing entrepreneurial women who are in a place right now where they want to grow a business. They have a big vision. They want to create a legacy, but they are dealing with complete chaos in their business, which is trickling down into their personal life. So I help them get to a place where they build that confidence to build the structure necessary to see their vision and their dreams come into fruition.
0: That's amazing. I just, I love the, I mean, you think of you laying on the floor of a bathroom and I mean, sometimes those worst moments turn out to be, I mean, the most amazing opportunities for true pivotal growth and development. And I mean, how lucky in this crazy way that your daughter came in, you know, That is one of those things as a mom, I know, I mean, it is striking when you see that look in your child's face and you realize like you better change or this isn't going to go well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, even though you're a lawyer and I'm in, in dentistry, we have huge, like insurmountable amount of pressure to be all together at all times. Like oh, yeah. there's never no time off, right? So you can't come into my dental chair and I'm having a bad day. Oh no, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't go and service the clients that you work with and have a bad day. No, you've gotta be on your A game at all times. So when you are an ambitious person as I am and as you are, and we're, and we're parents and, and we're women and we're going out there and we're, we're making a you know, impact, there's no days off, Right. And so I think, you know, that day, I actually talk about it in my keynote that day. I posted a picture of me and my family all smiles and no one knew that that evening I had one of the worst embarrassing moments ever. Right. Because How can I show this prettiness? Right. And be dealing with this inner turmoil completely from, from choices that I've made, but also the environment that I stayed in.
0: Right. I mean, I just, I find it, I mean, it gives me goosebumps actually to think about it because it is, I mean, you probably saved your own life by having that kind of just horrible situation and being able to see it for what it was and be able to make those changes. I mean, imagine what, you know, your children would be dealing with now if you would continue to stay in that. And I mean, and I think it's so perceptive of you to understand about, like the uh, trauma that's not dealt with. And then when you lose a parent, I mean, that is a massive, you know, transition and trauma. I mean, and it's so hard for us to admit that we need help. I think, I mean, I think that's one of our biggest struggles as women is admitting we need help because we're always caring for other people. I mean, always, always, Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, I was definitely part of that massive sandwich because I had, I cared for my grandparents who ended up living with me. Then my mom had a stroke. I ended up caring for she and my dad all the while I'm birthing, you know, four children practicing law and i'll never forget going to a psychiatrist and i was like something is the matter with me and she like we walked through everything that was happening and she's like i don't think anything's the matter with you she's like you've got too much on your plate but mentally she's like i think you've you've you know like you've hit it dead on you got too much on your plate and you are stressed she was she's like you don't need meds or anything you need to delegate off some of this stuff and i was like oh What a concept, right? (laughs) I've hit the end of what I can accomplish.
1: (laughs) I remember the first time I had someone clean my house. That was literally in 2020. The first time I did that, I said, why have I been waiting this long? Like for real, what have I been doing to myself, stressing myself out to
0: clean the house? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think <laughs> delegation and I'm sure delegation is something that you talk about a lot in the work you do with mm-hmm. people. But I yeah. mean, figuring out what you can delegate is, I think, a huge part of helping us come into what, you know, we can really be doing the most impact for, you know, yeah. cleaning the house is probably not it. If that is not your vision of, you know, what you really see as you making an impact. But um Well, tell us about your book. I mean, I know you recently published a book. I did my first
1: book. Oh, my word. What a labor of love. Oh, yeah. Heartache. (laughs) Because there was plenty of times through the course of me. This has been like a several year project of like starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting. And then finally, like, all right, let's just get it done. But I wrote this book because when I had that experience at my lowest point I knew that I needed to change and for some reason the Facebook was like I don't know you know how they spy on you and they hear you talking about stuff and then the ad pops up (laughs) this book came up it was called the motivation manifesto and I read it and it was what kickstarted me to say you know what that's it I'm changing everything. I'm going to create the life that I desire. I have personal power. I'm not going to not value the sacrifices my mother made, you know, for me to be living my life like this. I want to stop this cycle. What am I teaching my children? So I wrote this book, though, in the perspective of of women. I wanted to share because that book was written from a white male that was from Minnesota or Montana, Montana, I'm from New York City, right? Like there's certain things I just can't relate to him with, but it was still impactful. So Breakthrough to Excellence is the name of my book. And it's really for us to just decide and say, like, this is it. I'm not going to let fear take the driver's seat anymore. I'm going to create my legacy because I don't know at what point in time my day or time is up. Totally. Right. And so I'm going to make an impact no matter what it is that I choose. And I want to read the quote that, what was very pivotal to that. Can I read that? Is that okay? Absolutely, yeah. And I want like, especially the people that are watching this and the listeners to understand that every single day, every time you take a breath, every time that you communicate with anyone, Every decision that you make is a part of your legacy. And that will help you when you realize that to stay in alignment with what's most important, your core values and how you want to show up in the world. But this quote really helped me to appreciate where the richest place on the earth is. And that was the start. That's the start of my book is this talking about this quote. This is from Les Brown. All right. And Les Brown, he has smacked me upside the head many times. (laughs) when I needed it, all right? And this quote says, the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take the first step, keep with the problem, or be determined to carry out their dream. And I knew when I read that quote, I said, I saw a woman live their life unfulfilled, right? That was wow. my mother. She never had the opportunity to pursue her goals. I read her journals. I read things that she had hidden from me that she was too ashamed to share. Sure. And I saw that and how it literally ate her up in the inside with how she handled stress, right. how she showed up in the world. And so I knew that there had to be something different. I needed to break that cycle and know that whatever little step I take, how much more it's going to help my girls propel forward because I was willing
0: to not allow fear to control my life. Wow, that is so powerful. I mean, I find it so interesting that you brought up reading your mom's journals as somebody who's a big journaler, like I have a bunch of journals and it's been a real struggle for me. What do I do with them? Do I just burn them now? Do I keep them? I mean, tell me a little bit. I'm really curious about like, do you, are you glad you were able to read those inner thoughts from your mom or did it really create a burden for you? Because I don't want to burden my children with, you know, seeing things. And I've had friends who like they've put them in safe deposit boxes and there there's instructions in their will about, you know, people cannot read them or, you know, people do different things. So I'm curious how you think about it. I think it helped me see my mother as a woman. Mm -hmm.
1: And that was separate identity from her being a wife for a short period of time, more than once. And (laughs) And, you know, having children, I saw her as a woman and I began to identify more with that for myself. I think had I not read some of what I read, I would have gone by what she said to me. Mm -hmm. But her her words that she said were out of shame. Mm -hmm. So until I couldn't go through my healing work without understanding what was her challenges and issues that she was too scared to say out loud. Totally. So I feel that there's something, I mean, you don't, you don't want your kids knowing everything. Right. It it wasn't like she kept all of that. Right. But it was enough for me to say "Dag, like my mother was too ashamed to tell her own daughter why she made this particular choice in her life. And I would have embraced her. But yes, she lived with that. There's another quote from um, Carl Jung that says the greatest burden a child must bear is the unlived life of its parents. Right. And so I believe in epigenetics and I can nerd out on that. We can talk about that another time. But, you know, your children, you pass genetically, but also in so many other ways, other things you didn't deal with. You pass that on to your kids. Completely. Yep. So that was like a really big motivator for me. And I have my journals here and I'm going to leave them. You know, Mm -hmm. they can I even have my little diary, chicken soup for the teenage soul journal. (laughs) (laughs) They can read it and just see how complex their mama was and like what I needed to. I feel like that will help them in so many more ways than what I may actually say to them.
0: Right. One oh yeah. Day. Fascinating. I mean, there's times that I, I write something and then I think about it. I'm like, gosh, if anyone reads this later, you know, how will that <laughs> impact them? I mean, cause you know, I think one of the things we moms deal with, our kids don't realize at all how much emotional energy gets put into rearing them. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the stuff we struggle with, the things we're staying awake at night worried about crying about like you know really bad kind of like we were talking about before we got on here we are in the pandemic are we doing enough you know to help our children and keep them moving forward and thriving but also trying to be emotionally attuned to I mean this is a tough time I mean kids have been at home for virtually a year practically you know And that is not developmentally normal. I mean, you know, let's be serious. I mean, it is requiring them to, to do things that none of us have had to do as children. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that I just know, I know for me, I mean, I spent so many, I mean, thousands of hours contemplating the rearing of my children, you know, Mm -hmm. and really thinking about each child individually and how I can do things better and what I've done wrong in the past that I might need to own and really like say, I'm sorry for, or, yeah. you know, have those open conversations so that they can feel like they can call me out on thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just, I don't know, trying to be a good mom, but I mean, what do I know about that? Like, I
1: mean- Yeah. We're all kind of winging it. I mean, like my first child, who knows
0: what she was exposed to. <laughs> exactly poor guinea pig child (laughs) i all oh i mean my oldest there's no doubt i mean she's the one i have to apologize to the most yeah because i'm like oh whoopsie that was way wrong you know Yeah, yeah absolutely it's i mean it's an unfortunate situation in our family like i really didn't do crying at all like i was one of these people that was kind of taught you know you don't cry you just that was my mom yeah. Oh yeah. See, okay. You'll be able to tell me what I've done, the damage <laughs> I've caused. Cause literally my children, I would be like, I don't whine at me and don't cry at me. Like just yeah. talk to me in a normal voice. I got you. We'll be able to figure it out, but just keep the melodrama out of it. Cause I don't do melodrama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My Poor children. None of them cry like yeah. ever in front yeah. of me. I mean, and it's, I have, I know, messed them up in many ways by not allowing them to feel all their emotions. I very much just taught this life, just hand you shit. I mean, it's everybody. So let's not waste a lot of time and dribble. Like, let's just figure it out and solve it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know, probably not the best mom routine. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? I think you should give
1: yourself some grace in that. And when you say messed up, I don't like you saying that. I don't like you talking about my friend like that. Cause it's like seriously, we are all works in progress and right. your life experiences are, are are going to be passed down in one shape or another. Right. Your children, we were just talking about your son. They're decent, amazing people. Why? Because they had a decent amazing parent. <laughs> right? <laughs> So it's like, you know, my mom did not. But I realized when I started doing my inner work and going through my own awakening in the process of understanding who I am, I cry like this now. Good for you. So, so but it still takes a measure. You know, I mean, I've I, I, when I was doing a live talking about the book, I was like, Ooh, uh, you know, I got to go. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that several eight years ago. Right. Never. I would have never done that. And I notice how now even my kids are okay with showing that emotion. And then when they start their own family, it's going to be a whole nother dynamic that they're, that they're sharing. I just, I feel that we do the best that we can with what we're given, right? When we know better, we do better as Dr. Maya Angelo brings out in her quote. But again, I know how harsh mom, mom guilt is oh. and I want to, honor my process as I'm also growing, right. And also helping them to grow. And I think by demonstrating grace towards myself, I'm letting my children be able to have that and understand that the difficulties, the mistakes, the failures are all a part of learning and getting to that level of greatness that we all have.
0: Right. It's such an amazing way to look at it. I just love that. And I think talking about grace and being able to show that to your children is a gift like none other. I mean, to not be so hard on ourselves and not, you know, carry all the guilt and all the stuff we do. I mean, I think about, you know, especially in the context of lawyers, we lawyers are trained up to feel like we need to be almost superhuman, you know, like we need to know all these things and we should be able to navigate, you know, 200 years of law and we should know like the answer. And I sometimes remind, I know my team, I'm like, it's okay to say, I don't know, like I'm going to have to go look that up. You know, I don't have the answer or I just I don't have a solution right now. But, you know, that doesn't mean if I don't if I think about it, you know, and we can problem solve, I can help you come up with one. But I mean, I think sometimes lawyers get in this mindset of, oh, we always have to have the answer. We always have to be right on with what we're saying. And it's just it's not practical. I mean, it's not it's not practical. It's not real
1: life. It's. It leads to limiting beliefs that you'll never, ever be able to reach whatever goals it is that you achieve. You're never enough. You're not worthy. It leads to so many issues, which leads to people like myself going down that burnt out road. And, and I've also dealt with, I'm a mental health warrior, depression, anxiety, all of that is a combination of all of that pressure that we put on ourselves. And we got to say enough is enough. Enough
0: is enough. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. I mean, in again, in the legal profession, we see, I mean, suicide at these unbelievable rates. I mean, like the beginning of this year, I mean, just in various groups I'm involved in, like nine different attorneys committed suicide between January 1 and January 31. Now, obviously, I'm sure it's much greater than that. But just in my little one person microcosm, it was a huge number of people. And the thought that that is where people are and just I mean, it really stopped me in my tracks, actually. I mean, I was really taken aback by such big numbers. And, and obviously, as you know, I mean, you do have exposure in that mental health arena. I mean, the people who are committing suicide, I mean, the numbers under those of people with mental health concerns, and, you know, often treating with self like substance abuse type things and other various things are just, I mean, those numbers are probably incomprehensible if we were to dig deep enough, you know, with depression, anxiety, and that's not what it's meant to be. Like, you know, the, the work we're all doing in helping people. And I mean, I think being a lawyer is such a noble profession and to see people that are struggling in the way they're struggling, just, it really, really breaks my heart. I mean, because I think so much of it is self-inflicted pressure and just, Mm -hmm. Kind of like we were talking about feeling like somehow if you're not being perfect at one thing that somehow you're failing, like if you're not making straight A's or you're not, you know, bringing in all the good cases or, you know, you, your income level hasn't hit a certain point, then somehow you're failing. I mean, that's just craziness. Yeah,
1: it is. But we live in a society that thrives off of shaming others if they're not conforming to whatever shape we want them to conform to or, you know, whatever boxes they're not checking off, you know, you aren't worthy and and you get shamed for that. That's why I love the work that Brene Brown does and, and understanding how important vulnerability is and really, I don't know, kicking down (laughs) those, those standards that, that aren't really, What's necessary, what we need to be comfortable with is asking, well, what do you want right. and and understand, you know, when my mother passed and I hate to say that sometimes it takes someone very close to you p- to pass away for you to understand the futility of life. Right. There was a book that I read called The Five Regrets of Those Dying. And you hear often the same thing over and over again, not spending enough time with people that matter not speaking up for themselves. I mean, all of these things that tend to weigh in on us, people regret. They didn't, they didn't take that necessary step to not eliminate that from their life. Right. And so again, that goes back to the legacy, You know, keeping that in mind, you have a short amount of time to live. How can I make it meaningful? How can I choose joy in my life? Do I need to answer that email right now? Right. Oh, right. Do, do, and this person right now is sucking me dry. Right. You know, how about don't make it an option for them to get into your space if possible? Right. Not accepting clients that drive you insane. Firing a client is a boundary. Like there's boundary issues. There's, There's a whole host of stuff. When you look into adverse childhood experiences and you look at the Kaiser Permanente study they did and they looked at the amount of trauma educated adults have dealt with. It's crazy. The amount of people who have dealt with that. So we're walking around, all of us, we go to these schools, law school, nursing, dental hygiene, dental school. No one talks about any leadership skills no one talks about personal inner work transformation none of that is too woo woo you we just need you to pass your state exams national exams and get out there and help and help and work with people when you're all cracked up and whacked up on the inside so like (laughs) there's a lot of us that haven't dealt with that and that's why that's the reason why i wrote the book and that's why i continue to talk about the things that i do even though it doesn't sound so sexy you know, most people want to hear, well, how can I make a million bo- bucks in one day? Right, But you can't make that amount of money. You could, you could, but really, can you make it and live it in a joyous way? That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs>
0: can you sustain it? I mean, can you sustain it? Yes, yes. Because without that healing and without your ability to infuse joy, it's impossible to sustain, I think. Because, I mean, you're going to hit bumps, huge bumps. I think people who think somehow when you earn a million dollars, all the problems go away. I mean, I am here to tell you the problems get bigger. I mean, new level, new devil. I mean, like they just get bigger. And if you have not solved them and done the stuff that, I mean, I, like you, think all that personal development is so critical. And I mean- Bring on the woo woo, if you ask me. Like, it <laughs> what makes all the difference in being able to really flip your mind when you're seeing something and, you know, being able to look at it in a way that is constructive and that allows you to get through it. And when you talk about keeping people out of your space, I mean, girl, if I could have given you an amen, I would have. <laughs> I mean, and I can t- tell you in the legal world, that is
1: huge. Yeah. I had a track record of keeping narcissistic personalities around me, you know, making that choice. You got to ask yourself, why are you doing that? There's something deep seated. There's another book that's really good. um, Don't you know who I am by Dr. Romani. And it's all about narcissistic personalities and how to deal, how to deal with that. As you can see, I like reading audible though, <laughs> audible, audio books only, <laughs> but it helps. Like, it really helps put things in perspective and you're right. It's so right.
0: It is just, I mean, it makes all the difference too. And learning to not react just because somebody gets an email in your inbox, that doesn't mean that you must react. Like you can decide. And sometimes your decision is I'm not responding. Like this is not my thing. I mean, I sometimes call email. It's like my externally imposed to do list where other people think they can give me things to do. And I'm like, well, I didn't invite you to add anything to my to-do list. So no. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, and it's yeah, I think email has been a really interesting development in obviously communication, but how it has impacted our mental health. I think email has been for the most part, pretty negative, you know, as far as people feeling they have to jump immediately. And I mean, I know attorneys, I mean, we are like mandated to, you know, ye shall communicate within a certain time frame, and, you know, you should do certain things. And I mean, I, I know I've been guilty of, I mean, feeling just completely overwhelmed with 600 emails a day and being like, oh my gosh, I need to get through all these, or, you know, I'm letting my clients down. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is all kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can I get some some suggestions for your listeners? Absolutely. I would first start off with a lot of times when you're really, really busy, you don't really have any clarity on where you want to go. Like you don't know what your goals are. You're kind of just being pushed about like the wind. Right trying to survive, you know, you wake up and you just get up and you do what you got to do and you're doing your work and you're not, you're not, you don't really have direction. I would take some time, listen, y'all journal and really get clear about like, what are the three top goals that I want to achieve right now? How do I want to feel? Not so much on an outcome, because especially if you're a lawyer or someone from the healthcare field, you're so used to outcome driven, goals think about how you want to feel if you achieve whatever it is that you desire mm-hmm. and keep that at the forefront of everything that you do because that will help you stay in alignment so for instance i knew that i wanted to write this book because it was going to make a bigger impact
0: mm-hmm.
1: And to help really set some other someone else free that may be struggling with overwhelm, fear, boundaries, whatever, whatever it is. So that means that I had that at the forefront. That's my goal. And anytime anyone asks me any sort of question, right, I would see I would ask myself, is this in alignment with the goal that I'm trying to achieve? And if the answer was no. Then I knew where to direct them. So sometimes we got to pause and stop moving so quickly, maybe give it a 24 hour, you know, space before you say yes, because I was someone that would say yes to everything and right. be all over the place and people will put their own urgencies on your life. And then all of a sudden you've seen that your day, your weeks have gone by and you've done nothing to really make you feel fulfilled.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting to ask those questions repeatedly when you're getting things. I mean, when you talk about like leaving a legacy and living that way, I mean, how do you address that? Is that that same thing where you're like asking, is this me living the legacy that I want to leave? I mean, like, what do you do when to get to that core issue?
1: So I have right here on my um, desktop, I have a post-it note with my goals. These are my three goals I want to achieve for this year. I assess if I'm in that direction every single week with KPI metrics. Mm -hmm. So I have my assistant put that in. I'm looking at how's my growth? How am I moving towards these goals? And I'm also looking at it in a global view quarterly as well. So I am constantly looking at how is it that I want to show up And what is it that I want to achieve? Mm -hmm. How do I want to feel in that process? That takes a measure of work though. I'm not saying I was perfect in the beginning, but I also knew that I was a yes person. I was a people pleaser. I had some remnants of codependency. How do I know that? I did the inner work to figure that out. And so that means that I have a automatic messenger on my email. You're going to get a response in 24 to 48 hours, no matter who comes in there. Right. And I'm very clear about assessing that on a regular basis. And especially for the listeners that are entrepreneurs, it's so very important that you fully step into your leadership role. And a leader is aware of the direction that they're leading their team in their Mm -hmm. business. It's just like if you were heading out somewhere you've never been before, what do we do if we've never been to this location? We open up our phones now right. and go to GPS. Before GPS, we had Tom Toms. Before Tom Toms, there's MapQuest. Before that, we actually had something that has you know lines on it. It's a piece of paper. It's called a map. So <laughs> we, we, would, we would take these necessary steps to get to our destination and goal. That's the same exact concept that we need to take in right. our own businesses. And so that is what I'm constantly looking at is how am I in alignment with how I want to show up and where I'm going? And is it in alignment with my strengths? You know, how oh, do I, yeah, that's... yeah, like how do I feel? Am I am I honoring my God-given purpose or am I trying to follow a cookie cutter approach because this is what someone told me? Right. So it's slowing down enough to ask those questions. That's taken me years of me doing that over and over and over again.
0: It's so important though, when you talk about honoring your strengths, I mean, and I find when I'm not honoring my strengths, I'm really struggling. I mean, I'm procrastinating. I'm you know, making up excuses of why I shouldn't be doing this or when I'll I'll put it off to. And then I ask myself, I'm like, Elise, what are you doing? Like, if you don't want to do this, why are you doing it? Like, get this needs to be not on your plate anymore. And if somehow I can't get it off my plate, I mean, I'm going to really figure it out how I can, like, how am I going to make a workaround? Because if I'm procrastinating and hating something, I'm not aligned in with my strengths.
1: Yeah. And you feel resentful. You get that one client call and you just feel like, oh, you know, there's something that, there that you didn't honor. Right. It's so,
0: true. but I mean, how do you find and how do you help people really tap in to their feelings? Like, I mean, do you use any tools or, I mean, what kind of things? Cause I do think sometimes people have a hard time identifying how they're feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand. It's why I wrote my book. So that I would say that would be the first step is understanding and reading that. It also comes with a mini course. So when you show that you've purchased it, I've created a course with it. So one of the things I have, my framework is very simple. We talk about confidence. We start building constructs. So the structure of a business to help support you. And then we talk about how to amplify your voice. And the first component is is confidence and the mindset work because the mindset work will never end right I don't have it all together (laughs) nobody else does either right exactly nobody else does like we know it's a consistent work until the day we die this is what we're working on so I really spend a lot of time first no what i call it cuz i'm a hip hop fan and that's what i grew up with first understanding who you are understanding those strengths so either taking a strengths assessment if you just got no clue clifton right. strengths assessment colby assessment asking people that you like right. <laughs> don't ask the people you don't like you know what are some of my strengths that i have like really tapping into what makes me me so right. when i first started doing that what I used to be teased about as a child or said I was too much, you know, on my strengths. Exactly, exactly. Isn't that crazy? It is, but it's so true. (laughs) Yes, and tapping into like understanding, this is who I am. I'm going to accept who I am. Right. This is what I've been given.
0: Now, how can I now maximize it? Exactly. Exactly. That's my number one strength. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I love Clifton Wow. Mine is futuristic. Oh, I have that in my top five.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Futuristic is I'm always thinking about what are the possibilities?
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which also explains why I kind of do what I do. Right. Because I'm able to see past someone's limited view. Now, right. it may not always work for me, though, because I need to hire a coach to help me see what I may be missing. But I feel that that's one of the reasons why I love assisting other women to get to their breakthrough and like really create a business and a life that they desire. Like we're all deserving of that. Let's rock it out. When we do when we do well, it, it's it's a wonderful thing for our family. Oh, yeah. Our Absolutely. communities. Yeah. You know, oh
0: women just I I see so many women who just do the greatest things all around them I mean really helping people in so many different ways their families their parents I mean volunteering it's I mean all kinds of things like bringing their ideas out into the world I love watching women just absolutely kill it yes I just I think it's amazing and um I really appreciate you being with us today and we will make sure in the show notes is a link to your book, because I think so many people would love to read that and really, and especially women who are doing this journey and who are starting out, you know, finding those voices from other women, I think is hard. I mean, I think in this space, there are so many, you know, men who, who talk about this and obviously many of them have great insights into things, but I think it, it, offers such a unique perspective to hear it from another woman who's, you know, going through many of the same things. And so I really look forward to reading it and I look forward to having other people read it. And so thank thank you you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yes.
1: Thank you so much, Elise. I, I'm just so thankful to have met you and have had this opportunity to share with you. Thank you for allowing me to be able to share and in my animated way, yeah, <laughs>
0: <right. I> do. <laughs> and I'm so glad you don't hide that amazing smile of yours now. <laughs> you've got one of the most. You know, you just have people in your mind that have a great. Yeah. You are one of those people. The Aww. thought that you ever hid your smile, yeah, seems like so just horrible to me. Like, yeah, you've got an amazing smile, and so keep on smiling because I mean. Yeah, well, it brings so much joy and I think we
1: need more joy. Oh, tell me about it. We do. And we need more conversations like this. And I just feel like just having this conversation was a big, warm, virtual hug. So I'm sending one out to you, Elise, every single woman that needs it. You know, there are so many of us that understand there's no need for you to do this journey alone.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean grace. I think that's the word that when I think of this. I mean, we need to give ourselves and the people around us grace, and especially mm-hmm. now in what we're going through. And I'm going to do that with my own son who's struggling <laughs> with his calculus. I'm going to just be like, "All right, we'll just get through it." <laughs> yeah. Do-
1: yes, and and I have a I have my um vision board right here. My word for this year is alignment. And at the top, it says, I have the courage to keep going. So I'm going to tell, I've told my own girls, they've had their struggles when it comes to virtual, virtual schooling. We're going to just keep going. We're going to do the best we can. We'll take a break when we need to.
0: Exactly. And
1: then just keep it moving.
0: Exactly. Well, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate thanks. you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.